Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Today is Sunday, July 16th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 528 features Heavy.com's Steve Bullpeth. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. What's up, everyone? New Celtics beat. Thank you for hanging out, being here with us. We're going to cover a lot. And if you've been listening loyally, as I know you have to this program in recent recent weeks, I I will do you the favor. I will tell you, because I see you. I look at the comments section on YouTube. I really do, and I enjoy your comments, whether you're with us, whether you're against us, whether you're dumping on me. I do not care. We love the engagement. We're happy that you're here and that you're listening. I will not do my whole Marcus Smart diatribe this show. I've done it several weeks in a row. I will not do it to you. I won't make you sit through it. Don't worry. We will skip it. We will move forward with all things that are Boston Celtics today. As long as Evan here, Evan Valenti back with us, can uh, we got to try and keep him focused because he went to see the new Mission Impossible today, yeah. and it's pretty much, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's really all that you're thinking about right now. No, it's not even a joke. Like I'm ready to do an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it takes. Uh, just go see it. If you're a Mission Impossible fan, you'll love it. Yeah, please. Tremendous. <laughs> stuff. The, the only thing, though, the only thing I'll say is, it would it would have been cooler to not know how the big stunt's done and just it got revealed to you in the movie. But other than that, very cool. Well, your mission, Ev, if you choose to accept it, is oh, to yeah. talk Celtics and NBA basketball with right one on. Steve Bullpet from Heavy.com. Steve, thanks for being here with us again. It's uh, uh I guess we're 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 kind of riding the heavy wave right now because we had your buddy Devaney, Sean Devaney, on with us last week and uh here with you this week. So I'm I'm enjoying it. Um yeah, well, thanks for inviting me on, I guess. Um, <laughs> hope Sean was good. I, I this is going to be kind of a, a come down from the, from the Sean content, but, uh, you know, let's weather the storm. No come down at all. In fact, uh, well, we've, it, I feel like any time that you're on, we somehow we dovetail into physical fitness talk and staying in shape and, and, you know, bettering our bodies and all of that. Really, that's, that's more you talking about that than me. I'm, I'm, uh, this is about as good as it's going to get if we're being honest. But Sean, I, I always joke with him when he's on that I, you know, I, I, I do our intro there. And some, for some reason, I always forget the dot com when I'm promoting him. And I'm, it's like, and now here with, you know, heavy writer Sean Devaney. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't come out the right yeah. way each time. So I'm glad that we got that in for you. We got the dot com in for you. Yeah. No, it's, it was weird. It's like I, uh, uh, hooked on with, with uh, Sean hired me for heavy.com just after I'd lost like a lot of weight. I mean, I was, <laughs> and I, so I was hoping to, you know, get a job with badgolfer.com so that my golf game would improve. There you, you go. go. Yeah. I got to sign up for that. I got to sign You're not at retirement that. yet. Oh. That, you know, there's, there's still hope. Badgolfer.com may come around for you. Um, okay. So let's, I, I obviously I, I want to start in a moment with uh, the Jalen Brown stuff and I, but first I, I feel like I need to thank the Celtics for giving me a, a good chuckle on Saturday night. For anyone else that's on their media distribution list, obviously you saw this, Steve. I don't know if Evan, you received this, but I tweeted it out just because it made me laugh. You know, I, I get this every, anytime you get a release from the Celtics now, people are thinking it's going to be supermax for Jalen Brown, obviously. And we're, we're not there yet. And we'll talk about that, but it, the headline, uh, Celtics sign scrub. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like a oh, powerful off season. Celtics have added a scrub. I hope he got the league minimum. It, uh, so I, it, you would think it'd be like the one time that they put the guy's first name in the press release at the, at the top at the headline. It'd be a good decision, I think. The TLC's yeah. a big fan of the signing. That's that, that was the rumor, so to speak. No, no, they don't want no scrubs. Well, they should have, they should have made a sort of a, a pun on it. They could have done, I mean, there already is a pun, but they could have done something better. Yeah. I mean, there was, so they many... were busy chasing waterfalls. There you go. <laughs> nice. And we've, we've come full circle. All right. Let's talk Jalen Brown. The latest update from uh, Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe. So Jalen Brown, as we all know, we're waiting for it, been waiting for two weeks. He's eligible for the five year, $295 million super max contract extension. There are certainly sort of mixed beliefs out there as to whether one, the Celtics want to offer him the full, you know, full, the full lot of it, whether or not he would take less than the full, uh, you know, obviously I, I think most people believe, uh, believe that one, clearly that's what he's seeking, but two, that he will get it. And therefore it's why the hang up? Well, we've got another delay. Uh, according to, uh, Adam, as I said, Brown is, he's overseas now. We're heading overseas for an, a uh, NBPA, National Basketball Players Association, organizational event. Uh, he's going to meet with the team again when he returns, but they've paused negotiations, but this is not uh, any indictment of the status or where things stand or there's a, a rift or anything like that. The deal is still expected to get done. Again, publicly, nobody has any qualms about anything. I guess what I want to start with here, Steve, is should we? I mean, is is this weird that we've been sitting, waiting for the two weeks while some of these deals have gotten done around the league with, you know, lesser players getting their super maxes, and yet Jalen Brown's deal is not done yet? Is this alarming to you in any way? Not really. Um, I wrote a few weeks ago, actually, or a couple weeks ago. I'm not, time is, uh, has lost relevance for me. <laughs> um, that uh, the Celtics it would be smart to try to get a little creative with this. Um, you know, perhaps uh, an out after a few years, um, you know, something that uh, an opportunity for, uh, for Jalen to get another bite at the apple sooner with, uh, with new media contracts, uh, potentially, you know, um, uh, get more money out of the deal, but also give the Celtics uh, a way to, um, reset their roster. Um, you know, if, if depending on how things look at that point, uh, you can hold off on doing something, you, you know, there's ways of timing that, uh, that allow you to uh, uh, have some flexibility in, in configuring your roster. So uh, I don't remember exactly all the different ways that uh, they can do this or that were brought up in that story. Uh, but um, I think there's an opportunity for both sides to, not just do like the straight deal and each get something out of it. So I guess I'm wondering what that would look like. And what I, what I mean by that is I, so I've made the argument that because that was part of the reporting, whether from you, from Adam, some other people along the way that, that Jalen Brown might be seeking that fifth year player option, for instance. And I've, I've made the comment that if I'm the Celtics, if you're willing to, because, you know, everyone's got their opinion, like they shouldn't give him 35% of the cap. They should give him 33% of the cap. Well, if you are going full boat, if you're going to offer the full freight to Jalen Brown, as he is in all likelihood demanding, or at the very least aggressively seeking, then that's, you know, about as uncomfortable as you should be willing to make yourself. And, and in, in saying that, I, I guess I just mean, I would hold firm on not giving him a fifth year option because obviously if, if he is in a position where he is interested in opting out to, you know, maximize his earnings further, it means that he's either outplayed his contract as wild as that may sound financially speaking, or he is at least of the level where he could seek more money, be it from you or from somebody else because of what the market dictates and blah, 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 blah. I wouldn't do that if I'm Boston. I wouldn't give him that opportunity. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, give up a year of control if, if you're Boston in that situation, but you're sort of presenting it the other way where there's a team out here, which no one else has really talked about. And I, would Jalen go along with that? Would, would he go along with some sort of a, a mutual out? 
Well, I'm saying I, I think there might be an opportunity for for each side to to get something in a deal like that because again, when the new um, TV contracts kick in, it's going to have an effect on the uh, down the line. It's going to have an effect on the salary cap, and the max contracts are based on percentage of the cap. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, there's money out there. Um, I'm just actually calling up the story now, uh, but yeah, I mean that's you know. Um, there are, there are options here for both sides. There, there's, there could be an interest uh, for each side to get a little creative here. That's all. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I just talked though. Well, go ahead. Talking just because you have uh, a new TV deal coming, and and Jalen Brown's about to be for about one calendar year the, the highest paid player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to make sure. I mean, I, I get why people are are a little nervous about this because it seems like. Everything surrounding Jalen Brown is always more. There's more, always more attention about him leaving than staying. So I think people are just, um, you know, maybe just trained to to always believe that Jalen Brown's going to be leaving at some point, whether it's via trade or via whatever this is. But at the same time, you know, you have a brand new CBA with all this new money coming in. I think it behooves everybody involved here, especially the guy who's you know a, one of the vice presidents of the NBA Players Association to make sure that they do the right thing on behalf of whatever the next version of this contract is. I mean, Tatum's going to get one, yes, you know, 12 months from now, it's going to, and it'll probably be a little bit easier because he's been two straight first team, all NBAs. So that's going to be an easy, let's just sign this and get this over with. But, you know, you're setting precedent here, Steve. It, it, it's to me, as much as it might seem simple, it, I don't think it is. And I, I have to believe, and I don't know if you believe this as well, but that's, the fact that setting precedent for next contracts, I mean, how much did we talk about nobody should have a no trade clause because Bradley Beals was used to just totally screw over the wizards, right? Like that kind of stuff needs to be factored in here. I think, right. Well, the Beal thing was crazy. They, sh- they never should have given him a no trade, but he wasn't going to sign the max contract. Of course he was. They didn't need to throw that in there. Um, I just called up the, the story I wrote uh, a bit back here. Um, and it was basically what was suggested was that uh, you could give um, you could give Jalen uh, a player option after three years and a team option after four. Uh, now, when we say three years, that that's four years from now. So right. you're going to have him under control. You know, he's got this next year is the last year of the current contract. Then the max contract kicks in. So at that point, there you're going to kind of know. You know, whether you want to, whether, you know, if he wants to opt out after four years from now, uh, it's going to mean that he's in a really good position, right? Means that things are going really well for him. Uh, and if they're going really well for Jalen Brown, it's pretty likely they're going well for the Celtics also. Uh, but if not, then the next year the Celtics would have an opt out. So, you know, it's giving him something. Hey, just a chance for you to get out early, a year earlier, you know, two years earlier than a full max deal straight five years on to what you have now. And it would give the Celtics, you know, an option too of of getting out a year earlier than that um, in case, you know, Hey, it could be catastrophic injuries. uh, A thousand things could happen. Um, You know, the the team just might not look like it does and you, and you are in a need to rebuild uh, and you need flexibility. And, you know, he's obviously a tradable contract, uh, but all those things factor in. So again, all I'm saying and all the, the people that I was talking to then, the story came out at the end of June. Uh, the idea was there, there is an opportunity for each side to get something out of this if they want to be creative. That's all. So I know you're not someone who's typically in the prediction game, so to speak, but it, I mean, how, how do you, if you were to forecast how you believe this will play out? What do you think? I mean, do you think we're looking at he gets the Supermax, the full Supermax, monetarily speaking, and what you just outlined, I know it's just an idea, it's a suggestion, but what you just outlined is part of it, where each team, you know, there, there's a something that's mutual, mutually beneficial, or uh, or is this is it not going to go to that level where, where it could work out to be quite that team-friendly as, as you outlined it? Well... <laughs> Again, it would be if if they get creative, it would be friendly to to each side, mm-hmm. right? So, obviously, the fact that it's not done yet means they're talking about something. It could be incentives. Uh, it could be you know, 
what incentives are in the contract, but the, it's not just a straight, here's five years at the max. And cause I think, you know, if, if that's what was wanted, I'm sure they would have figured it out by now, but obviously they're still talking, excuse me, they're still talking. So, um, yeah, I, I have no idea how it works. I'm not sure what Jalen wants out of this. Um, again, I they would think the Celtics would want as much flexibility as possible, but how much is there? You know, how much is uh, Jalen willing to play with this? So I've got no idea how it works out, but uh, obviously they're talking about something if they haven't got it done yet. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. And before I move on, do you have anything else on Jalen? Well, I just I find it interesting that here with Jalen, you know, there's a bunch of speculation and all this stuff. And, and regardless of what the numbers are, because, again, they're, they're, this contract's going to get signed basically because, of, you know, the Celtics can't lose an asset for nothing, et cetera, et cetera. We've talk about that. Again, it's more about, you know, Jalen's particular role on this new iteration of the Celtics. You know, you know, can he continue to grow into a, a better player? Jalen has shown us every single year that he adds something. So, you know, uh, it's all about comfortability banking on the skill set of Jalen and, and, and his growth over the years. Can he grow into, I mean, he's been playing on a similar team with a similar style for a lot of his career. You know, Steve, would you feel comfortable banking on Jalen Brown being a little more adaptable as they can continue to add and tweak pieces around both him and, Jay, and Jason Tatum? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> one of the, biggest things that people aren't looking at with the acquisition of Kristaps Porzingis is something I'm sure we've talked about in the past, but when the Celtics acquired Al Horford, uh, it wasn't just what they got from Al Horford, which has been substantial that benefited them. What also benefited them was when they went to the two big lineup, you changed the positions of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum is, became a three. Jalen became a two. And all of a sudden now they had size advantages at those positions. And, you know, you looked at the defense this year. The defense was better last year. And it's not just because of emphasis. It's because you had a bigger team. You know, you had those guys uh, with size advantages defensively. So with Porzingis, I'm pretty sure you're going to see a double big, Right. Uh, in some combination at most all the time, you're going to see, you know, uh, Porzingis, Rob Williams, Al Horford, two of the three, most all the time. And that means that if, uh, uh, with, with Tatum and Brown on the floor, they're bigger players now in their matchups. Uh, and yeah, you're losing defense in, in Marcus Smart, but that will help defense in a certain, you know, for those spots anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you know, that will improve, uh, Jay, uh, Jalen right there. The other stuff Jalen needs to improve is just is simple basketball stuff. I mean, it's ball handling, driving into traffic. I mean, that's basic stuff. When you're coming around to pick, when you're getting into traffic, you've got to get low and it's simple physics. If you're driving and you're more upright, the ball has further to travel. That's more of an opportunity for a hand to get in, uh, you know, to, to whack the ball away, uh, all those different things. I mean, you know, there's been players over the years. The, my favorite example is Jameer Nelson, who made a living off uh, pick and roll of basketball because he always got low. You get your shoulders low, you turn the corner tight. It makes you faster. Uh, it's vector rules. Go back to your physics class. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all that stuff, I think, you know, should improve by Jalen. Uh, but again, um, having the size edge, I mean, look, he clearly benefited by playing small forward this year because of the injuries that it kind of kept the Celtics from playing the double big. It benefited him because, uh, whereas this coming year, they're going to go up to positionless for all NBA. If, uh, Jalen was playing guard this past year, 
probably would have had a hard time making all league and becoming eligible for the supermax. So you got the benefit of that, that uh, position switch, so to speak. You alluded to some of this just now in terms of just talking about the bigs and new configuration and what they've lost, obviously, from not only last year, but years past when, you know, Marcus <laughs> Brown, well, had been, you know, the longest tenured Celtic had been around forever. Grant Williams had been around for a number of years as well. Philosophically, the organization had preached defense, maybe more so than it will this coming year. We'll find out, obviously, what the scheme and everything looks like. I, I've just... You know, I, I've been on the soapbox saying that I just don't feel like they're done. And maybe I'll be wrong about that. And I, I've been wrong before. It won't be the first or last time. But, you know, and, and when I say that, I don't mean adding like a, a veteran minimum guy or re-signing Blake Griffin or something like that. I mean, you know, like I, I thought when they – I expected a trade with Grant Williams. But I, I wasn't thinking two second-round picks. I thought they'd get an asset back. I, you know, I'm still thinking about – I just envision them still wanting to get off of Malcolm Brogdon's contract. I, I don't think that necessarily died with the deal with the Clippers falling through. And I know some have reported that some of those conversations have resurfaced. So maybe there's still something there. We'll see. I, I feel like there's something else coming that truly alters this roster, not concerning the Jays, but what's around them as they continue to build in that way. Do you feel that way? Do you have any sense of that based on people you've spoken with in your reporting? Or do you think, this, what we have right now, is more or less what it's going to be. No, I felt that way uh, when they made the, the move, uh, you know, the the move for Przingis, that there's more to come. Um, but right now, I don't I don't picture Brogdon being involved unless you get back a, guard. a primetime guard, primetime yeah. point guard uh, in return as part of that deal. Um, last year... Brogdon was kind of a, a luxury to a degree, right? Here's this guy that's a, clearly a, a, a talented player that you're able to bring off the bench. Um, and, you know, if it works, it works. This is great. You've, you know, if they'd been healthy all year, then um, it would have been – you would have had three guys essentially for one position, right? You would have Marcus, Derek White, and, uh, um, and Malcolm. Sure. Yeah. The one of those guys is going to move over the two on, you know, and the rotations or whatever, but not for huge amounts of time. Um, so, but now Brogdon without Marcus Smart, Brogdon is critical to this team. Unless, like I said, you get something back in return that can approach that kind of productivity and consist and to me and consistency. It feels more like a midseason move though, Coffin. We've talked about that. I think it's, mm-hmm. you, you take a step back and see what you got. And then, you know, it feels like the Derek White trade where they, they go out and add a, a valuable piece and, and just, you know, where you can sit back and say, hey, we need a – like it was a perfect – we need a connector, right? We need someone to connect the rest of this basketball team together because they don't have enough guys that are quote-unquote pass first. So it feels like they're going to take it – they'll have this roster. They'll go into the, you know, into the season with the majority of this roster intact and then say – you know, come January, take a step back and say, okay, what does the landscape look like right now? Where are we in the standings? What do we really actually need? And it, it feels like, you know, the, you know, the Derek White trades, they'll pick somebody that they like and, and, and focus on that person. And if they have to pay a little bit of a premium for it, they will. And, um, you know, they work, it worked out for a lot of their trades so far, Derek White being maybe the best one. And I think at this point, you got to maybe have to trust Brad a little bit for reading this roster because he's done a nice job with it. So for anyone watching the video, I'm smirking a little bit because I, this is not how you meant this, Ed, but I'm, I'm sort of laughing at the words, take a step back because you mean, you know, take a breath, like collect yourself. Mm-hmm. But I hear that and like, I feel like they have taken a step back. Roster wise, they have taken a step back from what they've been. Do you feel that way, Steve? Or do you think, do you agree with the odds makers who believe this team is, is better positioned for a championship than it was pre adding Porzingis and losing Smart and Williams? Well, it was, it was hard. It's hard to see them being better positioned than they were this year when they, you know, let the ground ball dribble through their legs. Um, <laughs> I still don't, you know, I think it's hard to fathom what happened. Um, but, um, you, you see where it came from because we've seen it. We've seen the same thing in the past from this team, you know, um, going away from the passing and cutting, going to ISO ball and at inopportune times. Um, 
getting flustered when another team punches them in the face. Um, all those things came into play. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're in pretty good position still. But uh, as far as a move during the year, those aren't as available as they used to be or to the extent that they used to be available because uh, in the past, before the play-in tournament, uh, you had teams that the haves and have-nots were pretty well-defined. Uh, and now you've got, you know, that uh, the carrot out there for these mid to low-level teams that are, you know, getting to January and saying, are we buyers or sellers? And, and they hang on to their players a little bit longer. Um, remember, uh, NBA finalist Miami Heat, uh, was a play-in team and lost at home in its first play-in game. So, you know, um, I think people might be looking at that as, and look, and the teams that are being in that position are generally teams that like are longing just to have a playoff game. Uh, even if it's a play-in game and doesn't count. Uh, officially it's a playoff game. I'm not sure how that one quite washes. Uh, but anyway, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure that, the, that the, the number of players that, that would have been available in the past are they're going to be there now, but yeah, it, whether it's before the season or during the year, um, when teams get an idea of, of what's working, what doesn't. Yeah. I, I think there could definitely be moves with, with the Celtics and they've got to see how this plays out too, you know, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a different, every year is a different situation, but uh, look, the, the two things that I, that I mentioned that, that to me are going to decide what this team does as of right now are based off the Porzingis Marcus smart trade. You know, you can't make a judgment now. You've got to tell me how many games is, is Porzingis going to play and will he, uh, fit in terms of ball movement, et cetera, with Jalen and Jason. That's huge. And now tell me what effect losing Marcus Smart is going to have on the rest of this team. You know, I mean, it clearly, look, he was a guy they could count on to go and rip the ball out of someone's hands. You know, he was a, a lunatic like that in a good way. Uh, but, um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think the way I wrote it was it's like the 60s father, you know, divorced father walking to the door and uh, on the way out of the house, turning to the son and saying, you're the man of the house now. So how do how do Jalen and Jason and those guys respond to not having, um, you know, the, uh, the the Rottweiler on the chain, you know, or off the chain to, you know, kind of correct mistakes or uh, or just stir the drink up for them well that is something we've we've spent a a little bit of time on these these last couple weeks of shows because i you know since obviously the trade that i that i do think is really interesting is just the look this was jason tatum and jalen brown's team before the trade it's not like you know it 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 truly was this big three where where marcus smart was was equal parts the player but you know certainly uh in terms of being a vocal leader in the room with the media, whatever, like nobody is, is replacing Marcus right now that's on this roster that I see. Like nobody, all like Tatum and Brown aren't all of a sudden going to become that guy, at least outwardly with the media in the room. I have no idea. I'm not in the room, but I, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder what this does for them to your point. You know, the, the, the divorced dad walking out the door is, you know, like, there's a certain level of pressure on them now that wasn't there before to where it's like, okay, guys, I know it was your team, but now it's, it's really, you can't be deferential. Like there's, there's no Marcus smart to take the last shot anymore. You know, just whether because he's open and you got it to him or because the plays were drawn up that way or whatever, like now, I mean, you guys need to make something happen. And I don't question their, mental whatever in terms of whether they're ready for that responsibility but i i just wonder what it looks like for for lack of a better way of putting it steve i wonder you know like this, this we're we're about to see tatum and brown in a way responsibility wise that we've never seen them before they are jalen brown and jason tatum tatum are high quality defensive players but they're not the you know extend defense get up on you actually 
Jalen was in that he helped change the Philadelphia series by picking up uh, James Harden in the backcourt. Um, so, you know, that's got to be more. I mean, and we're leaving out uh, uh, Grant Williams out of this equation too. That's a factor as well. Um, so, you know, being able to rely on those guys for defensive energy, it's going to be different. So, you know, um, you got to see how it plays out. You just don't know. I mean, it, it may, it may be a, a net plus, you know, when it, when it's all said and done. Um, but clearly this team has to be able to go back, particularly when you're throwing up a bunch of threes. Okay. That's a, a mood swing thing that can happen just percentage wise. You know, that's the, the, the fallacy with, analytics when it comes to three pointers you don't hit them at the same percentage all the time okay you go through lulls and when you go through a lull you can't just fix it with offense by saying okay we're going to look to the bucket more or we're going to try to get better threes you've got to fix it with defense you've got to say okay we, we're not hitting right now but but they ain't going to score either and you have to have that mentality and I think this team especially you saw when they would come off to get off to really good offensive starts, they'd start leaning on that. And all of a sudden they let up a little bit defensively because, Hey, we're just, we can't wait to get back on offense. Give me the ball. It's my turn. I want to score now. And all of a sudden the other, the opponent makes a few shots, gets a little warm. And now you're in a game. Whereas you were up by 15 points a second ago. I'm glad you brought up the net positive thing, because this is a question I, I really haven't asked of, of you ever, of any of our guests, uh, since this trade, because I, I've been, you know, sulking in the corner. I, I've been woe is me about the Marcus Smart trade because I, I just happen to think you are a better team with Marcus than without him. And that's not even a Porzingis thing. It's me wishing that the original trade with Brogdon had gone through and you could have had both. That's not the reality, but you brought up maybe we will see at the end of the day that, that this not only worked out, but worked out for the better. There are loads of people. We know what a polarizing figure Marcus Smart is. So there are loads of people in, in our Twitter mentions and the YouTube comments that, that, you know, are, are very happy to have shown Smart the door and believe that this is going to look better, that this is going to be a better situation with Porzingis, you know, with, with White Brogdon, with Tatum Brown, you know, maybe taking their games to another level with, with what we have right now, with what we're looking at, with, with Jordan Walsh coming in and just being a, 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 a terror of what he was at summer league that, that we are going to have a, a better Boston team than what we saw, not, maybe not even just last year, but, but in recent years that, that somehow they are, they've gone over the hump. They're going to win a title this coming season. My question for you, what does this look like? What, what makes that happen to where we are looking back a year from now and saying, you know what, Brad, you may have had doubters at the time, but right move. Well, it gets back to the first thing we talked about with this is that uh, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum change positions essentially because you're going to be going double big most of the time, right? Uh, and because you're, uh, you know, a, a guy like Porzingis has the ability to be like a wing player, part of his game. So, but you're, you're improving their positions defensively. You're giving them size advantages. So right there through, um, you know, nothing to do with Marcus Smart, but just those guys altering where they are on the floor and who their assignments are defensively, that could change things right there. I mean, that's why they were better defensively the, you know, the year before this. So, um, <clears throat> I think that's one way that it could look better. Uh, but look, it's, it's, there's a bunch of things that have to go right. And the biggest one to me is that guys have to have their head in the right place. There's no reason why the Boston Celtics should have got flustered uh, in these playoff series. There's no reason why in hell they should have gone down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. That's just a team that, you know, in the NBA, generally speaking, the more talented team shows through in a seven-game series. Uh, and that has that didn't happen in this case. And you can really argue it didn't happen in the NBA finals in 2022. Um, you know, seeing Jalen, Jason Tatum, excuse me, bringing the ball up against pressure against the, the Warriors, playing into the Warriors hands, uh, tiring him out. That made no sense at all. 
Um, you know, again, it's something we've gone over before. I want to see the, I would, if I'm the Celtics, I would want the ball in Jason Tatum's and Jalen Brown's hands as much as possible, but more as finishers than as start to finish guys. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want you taking the ball all the time and, you know, running off the clock, then going to make a play at the end. Uh, uh, something I've written often that one of the biggest dangers of ISO ball is that sometimes it works and <laughs> that lulls you into bad places. And I, you know, again, having an offensive setup where Brown and Tatum are coming, are running off picks and getting open looks and not having to work as hard, you know, uh, driving through a, a car wash full of defenders. You know, I think that's would help them out immensely. Uh, those guys giving the ball up and getting it back would make their lives so much easier. But as we've talked about, it gets down late in a game. And it's not because they're jerks, but it's like, hey, give me the ball. I want to take responsibility. I want to go make a play. Very gallant of you, but you've taken the team out of the offense and you've given the defense a break because they don't have to move as much now. They can just concentrate and collapse on you guys. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a, a roster that's going to be <clears throat> learning each other again. Like, one of the things I liked about this Celtics team was the continuity they had. Um, but this team's going to look different. I mean, they're going to be different on offense. They're going to have, you know, people want to, you know, talk about how Porzingis might add a low post threat to their offense. I'd like to see that first before I say anything concrete about that. They're going to have to change. He was, he was better low post last year. I mean, he definitely, his, his drives on closeouts were up. But anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's all. I mean, it's 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 fair. It's all. I mean, he's. If you look at his shot distribution last year, you know, it's still a good chunk of his shots come from three point range, which is what this team loves anyway. But at the same time, they're going to play dip, defensively. They're going to play a little different. Like they're going to play more. We had David Aldridge on here a couple of weeks ago. So you know, it's like yeah, Boston's got to embrace being a more drop coverage team. What does that look like when they have all these guys, you know, around Porzingis trying to play a different style of defense? Can Rob still be as effective as sort of a rover guy? Uh, when they when they play that, I mean it's it's going to be interesting. And and at the foot of all this is Joe Mazzula coming off a year where he has gotten plenty of criticism for, I think you know, um, I think people are being a little too hard on the guy for his first year coaching in the NBA after Division Two uh, coaching stint and getting a, a assistant staff that really wasn't his, you know, and not having a veteran leader on the bench that he could really turn to. I mean, Damon Sidemeyer left in the middle of the year, so. Yeah, you know, it all comes at the feet of Joe Mazzulla, who is going to be once again under the gun trying to put this together uh, in, in his second year. And I think it's it's going to be a, a real big challenge, Steve. And, and I guess we'll find out if he's up for it. And he's got two guys behind him with Charles Lee and with Sam Cassell that could easily just take his job. So you got to feel, you know, uh, Mazzulla's got a lot of pressure on him. If he didn't have a lot of pressure on that last year, I think he's got a lot more on him this year. Well, first of all, I'm sorry I missed the Aldridge one. Dave's my man. We, uh, he's, he's great. We love him. He's been telling people for years that he and I were the last cut from Miami Vice. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's, that goes back a couple of decades, him saying that. Anyway, <laughs> but I wanted to be the black guy. Yeah. Oh, well, that's why. And then Dave, the way, Dave, the Dave way to make it say something really nerdy and I'd say, Dave, I would so be the best. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Very close friend. Anyway, so I'll, I'll catch up to that uh, that episode. Yeah, we'll send you the link. Joe Mazzula, uh, geez, you know, he should be under pressure because the guy only won like 57 games, right? And only got his team to the conference finals. Um, and here's the part that killed me. I mean, obviously, that's being facetious. Here's what kills me. The Celtics lost for the same reasons they lost under M.A. Udoka and under uh, Brad Stevens. So let's go back and retrofire them, too, for screwing things up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Mazzula, uh is in difficulty. It gets difficulty publicly, I think, because he's a little bit awkward around media, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he gets that part of it yet and how uh, that – Again, I don't think it affects his job because his job is behind closed doors, dealing with people, et cetera. But, um, you know, uh, that's not something that, that should 
play into um, whether this guy is, uh, how his job is going, et cetera. Uh, I think it was a bright move for him to not call timeouts, especially early in the year. You want your players to get, to be more self-reliant. And if it costs you a game in November and makes you better down the line, so much the better. Uh, but I, you know, and by the way, many great coaches have had the same philosophy, uh, making the players reliant and not having them look over their shoulder all the time, which gets you an extra second and a half, uh, of quickness because you're not, you know, gazing backward. Um, <clears throat> Joe, uh, yeah, I, I think he did a, a really good job under the circumstances. I think, uh, and I don't think there was a problem with his staff that he had too. Uh, it was trouble a little bit, you know, losing a guy like Stoudemire. You're losing voices that can help you with players. Uh, but um, the guys they've picked up, I think it's going to be, I think it's, they're in a position to, to have an even better year in terms of communication. And that's from Joe's standpoint because he's able to sit back now and plan what he wants to do during the year. Remember in, in Ime's year, everybody loves the fact that Ime was the tough guy, but he wasn't that until much later in the year. And he mm. had Stoudemire and guys saying, Hey, when are you going to get on these guys? And he was waiting his time because he wanted to establish a foundation of how he wanted to run things before he hammered them. Um, so, uh, Joe Mazzulla didn't have the benefit of that kind of planning. So, you know, I think the tools are there for them this year. Uh, and I think Joe Mazzulla is a really good basketball coach. Uh, and, you know, perhaps getting caught up with back and forth with silly media things, you know, like you didn't ask me about my uh, adjustments. You're the coach of the team. You're in the room. You're supposed to know more than the media knows. You know, if you don't, <laughs> then, you know, take the real estate exam, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, so, uh, yeah, I, I think Joe, I think he's a good guy and I think he's a good coach. Um, and I think he'll, you know, if he, if his trouble came in, and this is something I was talking about with other coaches at Summer League in Las Vegas too, just that, you know, the, the big thing that he had trouble with was a little bit of awkwardness with media. And yeah, he's never had to deal with that on that kind of basis every day, you know, game day, morning, pregame, postgame, et cetera. After uh, some of the coaching additions were hired, Sam Cassell in particular, I, was it Washburn we had on maybe, Ev? But we were talking about how, like, we were just kind of making the point, or, or I kept kind of harping on the point, like, who, you know, I, I just assumed, like, Brad Stevens, you know, played a, a real role in making this happen because Joe's only been around at least in this position for a year, he was, you know, second row Joe before that. And he was, you know, he never played in the league and had come out of division two, like Evan said and everything. And, and there was, you know, it, it just didn't, you know, I, I was sort of thinking, well, how, how's he going to go and, and do this on his own? Like how, what, how does he have these relationships with some of these guys uh, that obviously he's since added to his staff. And I feel like, and you've spoken to Sam Cassell, so you tell me, but some of these articles that have, come out since uh, and and from brad as well i i feel like the organization is kind of like going out of its way to say that joe facilitated this and brad had nothing to do with it and and like these guys are here but it's it's almost like they're i don't know that like they're sensing some sort of a, a a fan or media disrespect of joe and they're trying to publicly empower him a little bit more or maybe i'm totally off base about that and it was entirely joe and brad had nothing to do with it well, let me point you to a uh, toward a heavy dot com story from last weekend, uh, a one on one I did with with Sam, mm -hmm. um, and what he said basically that uh, um, they had friends in common, and that's how it came. Uh, that's how it came about. Uh, you know, there was communication before this, and um, you know when there were obviously openings on the staff, Doc Rivers gets bounced from from the Sixers. Um, doesn't go elsewhere. Uh, the head coaching things don't work out for Sam. Uh, and here's a, this guy's available. Uh, I think it was perfect. I think it was a, a perfect situation. And I do think, you know, like this is according to, to Sam he said, yeah, we had friends in common and Joe wanted to talk and that's how it came about. He said it was entirely on Joe. 
So that's not the team saying that. That's Sam mm-hmm. saying that. Um, and I think it makes sense in a lot of ways. I mean, Sam uh, understand, knows Boston to to a degree. Um, no situation. He's a huge Patriots fan. That was in the story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it Dalius Thomas that he's buddies with? Yeah. It was a Dalius Thomas. That, yeah. He was friends with him because Sam's a Baltimore guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, when Adelius signed. That worked out for New England. Yeah. Well, Renowned Patriot, Adelius Thomas. <laughs> uh, when he, when Adelius Thomas went to the Patriots, he got Sam a, uh, his jersey from the Pats, gave it to him and said, you're now a Patriots fan. And Sam took to it. To the point where I remember him telling me during the week leading up, I was on the phone with him during the week leading up to the Patriots Rams Super Bowl. And, uh, Sam is out in LA and he's just pissing off the Rams fans left and right because he's wearing his gear around and he's, <laughs> he's not being quiet about, you know, the Pats are going to win this kind of thing. So yeah, I, I think that was a, you know, I think that was a good move. And, and something Sam brought up during the story with, with him is, he goes, look, um, he, number one, he said, look, I can be hard with guys, but I'm going to tell them the truth. And they're going to understand that after a while. I'm going to, I'm going to put the coach's program across to them, but I'm going to tell them the truth. And again, something he said that was really important, really stuck with me was, so I can talk to anybody. He said, players like the top players to the 15th pin. He goes, I've been each one of those guys. I've been yeah. all those guys. He was a two time champion his first two years in the league. You know, he's uh, comes out and wins with the Rockets two years in a row. Um, and then he, toward the end, he's like, you know, um, you know, we'll dribble for food, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so he, he is a guy that can relate to these people. Um, he's a talker. He's not going to, you know, keep guys in the dark at all. They're going to have an open discussion all the time. He'll joke with them. He will bust their chops, all those things. Um but Sam's, you know, that kind of guy. He's like a, he's a good locker room guy, you know, and you've, you've lost maybe, you know, one of those guys as a player. I don't know. You pick one up now as a coach. Uh, and I think he'll be good in that role as well. As you said, you were out there in Vegas, spent some time, obviously saw the Celtics, you know, around here. People are uh, borderline obsessed at this stage with, with Jordan Walsh and what we've seen so far. And so for all of the Brad did it again people out there, that are uh, on 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 social media, just you know, Twitter or Threads or wherever else, having uh, having their day with how Walsh performed, obviously in in summer league action. What'd you think? I mean, what were the main takeaways in terms of not only how he performed there, but more importantly, what kind of role he's going to serve here in his first year with Boston? I'm not sure about his role here. Um, you know, right now, you know. It's a regular season thing you might be looking at is the guy who can give you minutes, a depth guy, perhaps. Um, what I like the most about him, and it's, it wasn't even his three point shooting because I think it's good. It would be hard to project that in Boston. Not that he can't make the shots, but that he's not going to get as many looks and shooters need, you know, if you want to be a good shooter, you need touches, you need shots. And I don't think those shots are going to be available with the people he has around him here. Excuse me. Uh, picked up a cold on the way back from Vegas. Anyway, um, I think the guy next to me had a computer virus or something. Um, um, but what I liked about him was, whereas you'd see other rookies being interviewed, or you'd be around the scrums and talking to guys out there after games, and they'd say, well, people would ask him, what are you trying to do here? What are you trying well, you know, what, are you, what can you add to your team? Well, I want to, I want to showcase my, what I can do. It's like, and Jordan Walsh wasn't about showcasing. He was about like, I can go get the ball. I'm going to try to, I'm going to go up on somebody and make their life miserable. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I, I think he's got, you know, he's not trying to, um, showcase abilities, things like that. Look, guys come in the league. They want to prove that they belong. They want to establish themselves. He's got no illusion of what, of how he belongs and how he fits. So if he gets 10 minutes a game, they're going to be 10 good defensive minutes. It's not going to be someone that, Oh, I missed a defensive assignment because I was bummed out. Uh, I didn't get the ball the last trip down the court. He's not going to be thinking that I, I would certainly from everything I've seen, 
I think this guy's got his head pointed in the right direction with what he's going to be needed to do here. Yeah, pretty clear. Yeah, he's uh, I, I'm I'm excited to have him around, and I'm, it's going to be fun watching him put on weight because I you look at him now and he's just a, just real skinny, long, nineteen year old. And I just kept thinking after a couple of games, I'm like, man, this guy's going to put weight on. I can't wait to see him with the Jason Tatum shoulders. And <laughs> well, I mean, I'm it's funny you say that because you know what I picture is kind of what Tatum looked like when he entered the league. Mm-hmm. Like they, yeah. very, very similar frame. He's yeah, going to put weight on. Yes and no. I mean, you know, quickness is the most important thing for him, right? He'll, he's strong enough, you know, but quickness to get out on the floor and defend where he needs to, mm-hmm. the kind of guy that can switch uh, out on the floor and guard people, that's going to be the key, not bulking up for him. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think he's, you know, it's funny. There's a lot of talk about weight. In Las Vegas, people looking at Wembyana and saying he's just too skinny. He looks too frail. He's like, yeah. you know who else was really skinny when he was a rookie? Kevin Garn- Kevin Garnett, but yeah. Kevin Durant too. I I'm not even sure. Whatever happened to that guy, Kevin Durant? Did he ever <laughs> of himself? He's still skinny, actually. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, quickness is is the huge asset for him. He'll get stronger. You know, as he as his body fills in, etc. <laughs> but I don't think you need to put him on a a weight gain program. That's fair. Well, season's not that far away. I mean, I know we got more of these shows before we uh, really get into preseason and all that stuff. But it, look, it, it always goes by very, very quickly. We're we're already into yeah. free agency by a couple of weeks. Jalen Brown's contract inevitably is going to get done sooner than later. I'm I'm skeptical it's going to happen before our next show kind of the way things have been trending but who knows it's possible either way it will happen uh and uh you know we 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 want to alleviate any concerns that anyone may have don't feel troubled Jalen brown it will be a celtic for a good long while he will be paid handsomely to be that and uh but keep an eye out for the for for when you see a move made don't yeah. just look at it for the basketball sense Look at it for the financial sense, the second apron, all those things that you don't want to mm-hmm. think about, but that are now a part of the reality. Um, just to bring up when I, the story I did with uh, Grant Williams out there. Yeah. Uh, he basically said that he didn't think it was all financial. He thought that, that there was a parting that was coming between the two. Um, so, <laughs> excuse me, but the finances will play a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Not looking forward to the stories in three or four years that say Celtics missed their championship window when they didn't win before the second apron was a thing. It's going to, oh God, win. Please win. All right. Uh, Steve Bullpet, thank you so much for hopping on with us. We will bug you again down the road as we always do. Good to talk to you guys. And I guess I got to give up the two pack a day habit. <laughs> no, just don't go near any computer viruses and you'll be just fine. We'll send you that show. You can, uh, <laughs> you and, and David Aldridge will have something else to, uh, to talk about. Uh, all right. For Steve, for Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. We will do it again next week and, uh, see what kind of news transpires between now and then. But knowing this show, something will drop in, uh, I don't know, in, in the next three hours before the show is published. We'll see you later. <laughs>